Thanks very much, Jess. I think that's my problem. I think I sent the wrong, uh, <laughs> wrong verses in. There's a couple more verses there, which um, we are going to get to, because otherwise the story doesn't have a particularly happy ending. So uh, sorry about that. Um, but we'll look at those verses as we go through. Um, my name's uh, Johnny Clifton. Very good to have you here this morning. I'm the pastor here at Redeemer. We are going to have some lunch together, like Chris said. Um, go, if you need to, head off to Zanaudi, a Waitrose, two-minute drive away. Go and grab some lunch. And about 12.15, we'll try and sit down in here, eat together. Um, then we're going to have some kind of more tea and coffee. People have made some cakes. We're going to share those. And about 1 o'clock, it's going to have stopped raining by then. Um, we'll do some games outside with the kids. There'll be face painting for adults and children. Why does it have to just be children? If you want your face painted, then you can have that done as well. Um, but do stay around and we'll have some fun together uh, this afternoon. Let me pray and we'll look at this bit of the scriptures together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy of your word. We thank you for how it speaks to us how we can engage with you through it and know something of your Son. I pray that you'd help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So you, uh, if you've been with us these last few weeks, and we've, we've been kind of having a little look at the kind of world that Jesus is bringing in. When Jesus shows up, storms cease. Evil flees. Today we're going to see that death dies. It's an incredible world that he's going to make. Now, a while back, I read the novel, um, the book, uh, I read the novel The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. It follows the life of a teenage girl called Liesel during the Second World War, and it's a quirky book. And one of the characters in the story is Death. And at one point, Death is speaking, and he says these words. A small piece of truth. I do not carry a sickle or scythe. I only wear a hooded black robe when it's cold. I don't have those skull-like facial features you seem to enjoy pinning on me from a distance. You want to know what I truly look like? I'll help you out. Find yourself a mirror while I continue. You, you, you want to know what death really looks like? Find yourself a mirror. You see what he's saying? We are death. To, to be human is to die. Dying it is in our nature as human beings. And at first, that kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? You know, all the statistics back that up, don't they? We all die. If there is no God, then this statement is true. To be human is to die. It's part of our nature. You, you want to know what death looks like? Go find a mirror. And maybe that's right. Maybe that is why we are so helpless in the face of death. I just want to explore that. We're going to see that in our first point. We are helpless in the face of death. See, Jesus at the moment can't seem to escape storms. When he was on a boat, he faced down a hurricane by just his words, but as a storm swelled up and he faces it down, he then gets to the other side. And he steps off the boat and he's hit with a whirlwind of evil. That's what we saw last week. He goes back in the boat, sails across the lake, steps off again, and he's hit with another storm. Verse 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. You can hear the desperation in his voice, can't you? And it's so understandable. Jesus, you have got to help me. 
My little girl is dying. Do something. Jesus agrees. And they head off. But here's the thing. Before they get to Jairus' little girl, in the hustle and bustle of the crowd, there is a woman, an older woman. And she is suffering. She is suffering quietly, but she is suffering terribly. Verse 25, a, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And in lots of ways, this woman is like the little girl. That The old woman has been bleeding for 12 years. The little girl is 12 years old, we're told later. Both are called daughter or little girl. And both are under the curse of death. You see, blood leaving the body is life leaving the body. The older woman is dying. The little girl is dying. And the final thing they have in common is that they are both utterly helpless in the face of death. To be human, well, that's to die, isn't it? Look what we're told about the woman in verse 26. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She spent everything. She's tried everything. And yet nothing has worked. For 12 years, she has been slowly dying, and there is nothing that she can do about it. It's just the same with the little girl. Jesus gets caught up with this woman, and you can imagine Jairus, the father of the little girl, being a bit on edge. Watching, listening, thinking, Jesus, come on. This lady has been bleeding for 12 years. Surely she can wait 12 more minutes. My little girl is about to die. Well, eventually Jesus gets going, but by then it is too late. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Can't think of any worse words for a father to hear. And look what the messenger said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother Jesus anymore? What's he going to do? She's dead. You know, maybe if she'd been alive, maybe if she was just sick, Jesus could have done something, but, but death. What's he going to do? To be human is to die. In the face of death, we are helpless. And all we have is tears. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. We are helpless in the face of death. A few years back, I read a short book by a Christian father who lost his son in a climbing accident. And the book is this outpouring of his feelings. It's raw, it's his grief. And at one point he writes, and it'll be on the screen, is there no one who can slow it down and make it stop and turn it back? Must we all be swept on forever, away, beyond, beauty lost and love, sorrow hard on sorrow, until the measure of our losses has been filled? Is there no one? 
who can slow it down? Is there no one who can stop this? Like the woman, we can try all the medicine in the world. We can try all the doctors in the world and all the diets and lifestyle changes in the world. We can try all the science that we can think of, but there is nothing that can stop this. We are helpless. We can try and run from death. We can try and push it out of our minds when the sun is shining and we're feeling fit and strong and our bodies are working. We can imagine that death is something that happens to other people, not us, not now anyway. I mentioned the book thief earlier on, that book. There's a moment when this main character, Liesl, is enjoying a beautiful summer's day. Death couldn't have been further from her. And yet... It was the best time of her life, bold and bright. A trilogy of happiness would continue for summer's duration. It would then be brought abruptly to an end, for the brightness had shown suffering the way. The brightness, the light, simply shown suffering and death the way. There is no escape. In the face of death, we are helpless. All we have are tears. He came to the house. Jesus saw a commotion. People were crying and wailing loudly. To be human is to die. But what if it isn't? What if that isn't what it means to be human? Because secondly, in the face of death, Jesus is awesome. See, there's so much interest in Jesus. We're told in verse 21, a large crowd gathers around him. And verse 24, a large crowd followed him and pressed in upon him. He's like a celebrity, surrounded by people, just trying to get a sense of what he's going to do next, hanging on his every word. And in the midst of this thronging crowd is this timid and frightened woman. She's been slowly bleeding to death for 12 years. And the thing is, for for this woman, it's not just the bleeding, it's not just the health issue. It's the social stigma that's attached to the kind of bleeding that she is experiencing. In the world of the Bible, bleeding like this makes someone unclean. If the crowd knew that she was there amongst them, that they would all step back and she would have been stood there on her own, stigmatized. Death for this woman wasn't just physical, it was social. It it was religious. It, It was economic. And so quietly, carefully, not wanting to be seen, she weaves her way through the crowd She comes up behind Jesus. She reaches out. She touches Jesus. And she dreams. Verse 28, if I touch his clothes, she thought, I'll be healed. You can imagine maybe what's going on through her mind. Was there some excitement? What if this works? Year after year, I've experienced this condition. Stigma, year after year, death facing me and slowly dying. What if this works? Or maybe it was fear. What if it doesn't work? What if this is another disappointment? Where am I going to turn then? 
So tentatively, fearfully, excitedly, she reaches out and she touches Jesus and look at his power. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediately she is healed. Immediately she is saved and she is set free, saved from the isolation, saved from the psychological trauma that she would have experienced, saved from economic disaster, saved from the curse of death. One touch of Jesus and her bleeding stops immediately. The dying stops. In the face of death, Jesus is awesome. See it again with the little girl. Her father is told, your little girl is dead. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. There's nothing that he can do. And you see Jesus' response in verse 36. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Kind of sounds like a t-shirt slogan, doesn't it? It's very, very Disney. Don't fear, just, just believe. You can do anything if you believe. Believe in yourself, but believe in others. Believe in love. You, you can do anything. That is not what Jesus is saying. Your daughter has died. Do not be afraid. Just believe. No. Believe in me. That's what he's saying. Look at me. Trust me. Put your whole confidence in me. And then do not fear. And Jesus takes charge of the situation. Verse 40, he puts everyone out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who are with him and they go into where the child is and then he takes charge of death itself. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And this, at this, they were completely astonished. See, Jesus is awesome in the face of death. This girl really is dead. But for Jesus, the one who is life itself, a lifeless girl lying on her bed is no different to a sleeping girl lying on her bed. You know, sometimes one of our children might sleep in and it's kind of getting close to, to breakfast. They, they need to come down, they need to eat some food. So, you know, I, I, I'd say to Laura, look, sh should I go and wake, wake them? Most recently it was Elijah. Should, should I just go and wake Elijah up? The thing is, one of the other children hear me say this, and before I can stop them, I kind of bound up the stairs and they burst into his room and they kind of rip the curtains open and they sing and they ruffle his hair and they say, wake up, Elijah, it's time to get up. And they, they do it with a smile on their face and they're enjoying it. And and it works. Of course it works. Nobody could sleep through that noise. And up he gets. Jesus does the same with this little girl, but just with less noise. For Jesus, bringing someone back to life is no harder than waking someone from sleep. Be human is to die. Not if Jesus is around. He is awesome in the power of death. And, and here's the best bit, because what Jesus did for this little girl and this older woman, he can do for us. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Just believe. Believe in me. 
And if we do that, if like Jairus and this older woman, we fall at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, you are God, you are Lord, I put my life in your hands, then one day when we close our eyes for the final time, when we breathe our final breath and our body stops as it will, then just like Jesus said to this little girl, it's time to get up. He will say to us as well, it is time to wake up. Jesus is awesome in the face of death. But you know what? There's a, there's a problem, isn't there? You see, this little girl lives. Wonderfully, she lives. Death will take her again. There will be many bright days, many bright times for her, but the brightness will only be showing death the way. It's a problem, isn't it? We don't want to be like that. We don't want to rise again only to die. We don't want to rise only to face disease, disorder, disappointment and death all over again. Is that all that Jesus is offering us? No. There's a lovely little detail right at the end of the story. A detail that points to the kind of forever life that Jesus is offering us. In verse 43, Jesus gives strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Lovely little detail. Give the girl something to eat. Coming back to life, it makes you hungry. She needs to eat something. But you know what? This happens again. When Jesus himself comes back to life, he is killed on a cross, but death cannot hold on to him. He rises again, and one of the first things he does, he eats. He feasts. Resurrection, coming back to life again. With Jesus, it is followed by feasting. That gives you a feel for the kind of world that Jesus will raise us up to. A world of feasting, of deep, everlasting joy and commitment. Because Jesus doesn't just stop death. He reverses it. He doesn't just stop disease, disorder and despair. He undoes it. He pushes it back and he replaces it with life that is unstoppable and full and good. Resurrection with Jesus is followed by feasting. I think I mentioned this before. There's an episode of Doctor Who when the the doctor meets Vincent van Gogh. And he brings Vincent van Gogh, the the, the painter, into the 21st century, to to, to the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Van Gogh, you, you probably know, is a very troubled figure, kind of searing with pain on the inside, fully convinced that his drawings and his paintings were awful. And then the doctor deliberately asks the curator, in in earshot of Van Gogh, between you and me in a hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? And the curator replies, well, that's a big question, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of them all, the most beloved His command of color, most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one has ever done it before. Van Gogh, hearing this, breaks down into tears of joy. Did you hear that line? 
He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. When Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, he absorbed all the pain of this world, the pain that we should experience because we have lived rejecting the creator of this world. He absorbed it all, and then he transformed it. One day, he will transform it, all that pain, into a world of joy and magnificence and ecstasy. To die is human, not with Jesus. Mortuaries and funerals and bereavements, disappointment, disease and disorder, threat and fear, he will transform the pain of all of those things into a world of unstoppable life. Feasting will follow resurrection with Jesus and we will never die again because to die is not human. To live is to be human. Jesus is awesome in the face of death, and that leaves us with one very final and quick thing to say. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. When this woman who was bleeding for 12 years touched Jesus, she was immediately healed. And do you know what she wanted to do? She just wanted to slip away. She wanted to go and enjoy her quiet life. But Jesus wanted more for her. And so he summons her. He seeks her out. He wants her to come to him. Look what he says in verse 30. At once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. This woman is filled with fear. What will this great man, this mighty man, this divine man, what will he do to her? She falls on her knees, trembling before Jesus. She acknowledges his majesty, his power, trembling all the time. What is he going to do to me? But Jesus didn't want to crush her. He wanted to love her. Daughter, he says. It's a term full of affection, little girl, sweet girl. Jesus didn't want to crush her. He wanted to love her. You see, here's the thing with Jesus. He's not, he's not like a pharmacist. You go to a pharmacist and they give you medicine. But they're not offering you anything more, are they? They're not offering you friendship. They're not interested particularly in who you are. And that's fine. I give them a slip of paper they give me my medicine and I get better. It's very transactional. You know, as an Englishman, I'd find it very awkward, in fact, if they started wanting to know more about me and we're trying to have a conversation to become friends. I just want the medicine. It's transactional. I'm happy with that. But Jesus is not like a pharmacist. He doesn't just hand out medicine and healing. He wants to give us more than that. He wants to give us friendship. The most deep and wonderful friendship that you could ever imagine. He wants to give us himself the chance to know him, the God who is behind life and all that is good. So Jesus summons us. He calls us to come to him, not so that he can crush us, but so that he can love us, so that he can invite us 
to experience life now and life forever with him. So here's what I'm going to say. This is where we're finishing. Come to Jesus and find life. With Jesus, to be human is not to die. It is to live. Do it today. Come to Jesus. And he will say to you, daughter or, or son, your faith has healed you. It has saved you. It has liberated you. It has brought you true and everlasting life. Your faith in me. That is what he will say to you. Come to Jesus and do not be afraid. Because with Jesus, storms will cease and evil will flee and death will die. Come to Jesus and find life. Moment of quiet and then we're going to sing. Daughter, Jesus says, your faith in me has healed you. Heavenly Father, we pray so much that we would hear those words either for the first time this morning or for the umpteenth time that our faith in Jesus has healed us. It has saved us. It has set us free from sin that corrupts our hearts from evil that oppresses us, and from death that takes away life. Lord, that is the world we are looking forward to, the world that will be ours to live in when your Son, the Lord Jesus, returns, and we pray that we would know it to be true, and that we would not fear, but have faith in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.